0: Welcome to another edition of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name is Trent. Jason here. And if this is your first time listening, this is episode number twenty-nine. As you saw on the title, you can check us out at thethunderunderground.com to find out everything we're about. We cover everything from hard rock to to the heaviest of the heavy. Which brings us to this week's guest. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, yes. Kirk
0: Winstein, who is pretty damn heavy.
1: Heavy stuff.
0: Yes. This was quite an honor, but before we get into all that, we're going to play you a track from a band that we really like. They're out of Oklahoma here, and they're called Even the Dogs. And let's just go ahead and get right into this before we talk about it. It's called Ghost. that was ghost by even the dogs from Oklahoma. Yep, Tulsa guys. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier com several months ago, we've got a uh independent reviews section up where we have reviewed several, you know, albums or just independent bands in general and I know you threw an uh uh review up there about this band. Yeah, yeah, I did a
1: write up of them. Uh, you know, good stuff if you really like the uh the melodic uh, death kind of stuff, maybe, you know, with a little bit of a Gothenburg vibe, uh, this band is uh, right up your alley.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, you mentioned that in that review, and I remember you told me about them, that I gotta check these guys out before you wrote that, and that's definitely right up, right up my alley, and I know you're really into that stuff, too. Oh, like sure. the soil work and the scar symmetry, it's kind of similar in between those two. And yeah. You know, with the 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 kind of
1: dark tranquilities, you know
0: that kind of stuff. The real heavy vocals, and then the actual, the real, really clean melodic singing. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really cool to you know to hear a band you know in the middle of America making this sound and doing it doing it justice. Yeah,
1: exactly. They they're not uh, you know they're not um, I don't think they're you know copying anything per se. I think they're just using their you know, their influences and putting their own spin on it. uh. And, you know, and it's, like you said, it's refreshing to find that here. So uh, definitely, definitely worthy of your support.
0: Yeah. Even the dogs, uh, all one word on Reverb Nation. You can find their page. All their songs are up there. They've got an EP. And I saw on their Facebook that they're currently working on a new album. Great. So that should be coming in 2016. And, of course, on Facebook, you just search even the dogs. I think those should be the first thing that pops up. Yeah, it'll come right up. So go find those guys, listen to some more of their stuff. And there's also, uh, they have a lyric video for that song we just played on YouTube. So check that out as well. All right, now moving into the subject of the the podcast here. We that's right. just recently saw the, uh, the tour that's going on with the uh, We Sold Our Souls for Metal is the name of the tour which is one of the song titles on the new, uh, Soulfly album. Soulfly's headline tour with Crowbar and Insight. And the first part of the tour had Shattered Sun as well. Yes. Who unfortunately had to drop off a few dates ago and we didn't get to check him out. We were both looking forward to that because we really like that band.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, you know, they're, uh, they seem to be have they seem to be having a little bit of a buzz and, uh, I was really looking forward to seeing them. Uh, I like their version of uh, Return to Serenity. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, you know, sad they had to drop off the tour, but I'm sure we'll see them soon.
0: Yeah. And besides those, the three bands that are on the tour, you know, each stop had local support. And we caught three of those bands, one of which was called uh, Archon. It was pretty good. And then we saw Southern Heretics. Yes, so it was also really yeah, good. Yeah, they were great. I really yeah. dug them. And then we saw Smoke Offering, which we were both excited to see because we hadn't seen them live. And that brings us to our last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Go right there on SoundCloud and check that out. And there's a, you know, there's a song from those guys. And we, you know, had three of the members on there. And as well as another band, Forever Discussed, that the singer is in both bands. But yeah, they put on a great, great performance.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They sounded great live. Yeah, very, uh, Kyle Williams vocalist, uh, you know, pretty passionate. You could tell, uh, you know, he was really into it, uh, and it, it, it came across, it, it really translated well. Um, you know, they had some, that's some, you know, epic riffs, uh, just a great vibe. I really liked how, um, at the end of the set, you know, he, uh he walked off and exited when he was done singing and let the band, you know, just finish out the finish out the riff, finish out the the song. Uh, that that was kind of a cool element. Yeah. You know, it kind of you know, uh, what did you say when when we saw it? You told me something. It just kind of
0: it made it seem like they they were a big band, you know, yeah. like we're supposed to be here listening to us. Yeah, you exactly. It's just like you know, he did everything that you know, huge bands you see do, like, hey, go back there at the merch table, buy our stuff, and come say hi, we'll be back there shaking hands, you know, and then he, you know, Kenny, the drummer, threw his drumsticks out, you know. Yeah. Which you don't see local bands doing that because they need those drumsticks. Yeah, and people (laughs) went after him. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, it's a great performance, you know, they didn't sound like some band in a bar, you know. Oh, definitely. That doesn't know what they're doing. They sound like they belong there, and they acted like they belong there, and it came off, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a, a, a great addition to the whole bill.
0: Yeah. And, of course, uh, after that was Insight, which features Richie Cavalera, the stepson of Max. That's right. And speaking of Richie, we all, we also had the opportunity to sit down with him at this show. Yes. And recorded a podcast, which will be coming probably the next episode here. Yeah, it should a week. be next week, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. So be on the lookout for that. A lot of great stuff, talking about his band and coming music and his past growing up in the business with his, obviously his parents who were heavily involved in the music business. And speaking of his dad, Soulfly his a kick-ass live band, always. Mark Rizzo is an insane guitarist. Yeah, you can't go yeah. wrong. Yeah, and Max, you know, always delivers, playing the Sepultura hits, you know, playing the Soulfly hits and a lot of new stuff. That new album, Archangel, is great if you're in the soulfly it's just one of those things you're you're not going to be disappointed and then that brings us to the final band on the bill which went on before soulfly but you know we had to parlay our way into this right that's right yeah we had was, to segue into this right. uh, interview yeah. somehow
2: right
0: <laughs> was crowbar and you know what do you say what they deliver you know what do you say <laughs>
1: right. I, I you know they they put on a a great show um Like, uh, like you'll hear in the interview, uh, Kirk says that, uh, you know, they're just meat and potatoes rock, meat and potatoes metal, you know? And, uh, that's definitely, that's definitely what you get on this, uh, in their live show. Uh, they, you know, they played no quarter, all I had, I gave high rate extinction. They did walk with knowledge wisely. Yeah. Uh, just song. oh yeah. And that's a, just a killer uh, opening riff to that song, and it just lays down just the fat groove, and just kind of hammers you in the face. Just a fun set, and uh, I've I've loved Kirk for a while. His you know down, you know he just has the the greatest riffs and structured songs. So it was just a great set, and it was uh, awesome to get to talk to him for a little bit.
0: Yeah, if you. If you're one of those people who haven't really ever checked out Crowbar, you know just, and you're into metal. Obviously, you're listening to this. You're into metal. You've you gotta check them out because the guy's nicknamed the Riff Lord, and there's a reason for that. That's right. You know, I mean, you think of guys like the best of the best, which is probably Tony Iommi when it comes to that, and this guy's right there behind that. You know, it's like you know all the it's. You know these these riffs are just so punishing and so great, and it's like when you hear them, you're like, "This is why I have ears and I'm able to hear." <laughs> that's that's for right sure, for stuff like this. That's right. You know, it's just it's that. You know, and and he even ta- he talks in the interview about you know when they when Phil and Somo produced their their second album and how he helped him, you know, kind of trim the fat and get into the the groove of just writing one riff, you know, that mattered, you know, instead of just writing a bunch of different riffs, you know, which is kind of a cool story to hear, and like you said, he mentions Down, which personally, that's that's kind of where I, you know, obviously got into him, you know, through Down, and then caught into Crowbar a little bit later, but, you know, yeah, this is just a great band that continues to put out great music, Yeah. you know, last year, Symmetry in Black was a kick-ass album that got a new one coming sometime next year, so...
1: Oh, definitely. And, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you know, the riffs in his, in Crowbar, it's simple and effective, but it's, it's not like common, you know, you, you, uh, you're like, why didn't I think of that? It's so easy. It's so simple. But, you know, when you really pull, pull all the layers back, sometimes it's, it's harder to, uh, to strip down. And uh, that's just something I think he's mastered brilliantly.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know do we got anything else else to say before we get into this? Uh, no, I know, just so.
1: uh, you know, I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, it's cool to just uh, on, you know, side note <clears throat> on top of like crowbar stuff and you know, it's just cool to like talk about other bands and just talk about music too. And uh, you know, that's what we did and you know, we get into some sax and stuff, some type of negative. It was just a fun conversation. Let's do that right now.
3: It's been weird we've been jumping off and coming back on because they took a break we started on the 28th and we did um we did Dallas and Albuquerque with them the 28th and 29th and we did our own shows we did six of our own shows and jumped back on one but in Las Vegas then we did like a week or so and then we jumped off after Kansas City did two of our own shows because we had to play we played House Call or yesterday oh, okay. in San Antonio which is great great fucking thing was Killer show. But, so then we link back up with them today. We're with them till Friday. So uh, it's been, been great. I mean, it's kind of, you know, same thing with them. Like they've been doing shoes with, you know, with local bands and, well, they have insight traveling with them as well. Right? But, um, you know, like today when I got it, like, oh man, glad go, going uh, you all are back. we're know. glad to be back. You know, it's It's better when you have a package, you know, so it works out well. And then there's such, you know, great band and such good guys and treat us. The truth is great, man. So yeah. it, it works out well. You know, Max even when we went in Las Vegas, finally got to hang out and just chat and talk for a while. And he's like, "Man, it's too short. I wish it was like a month." Today, I said, "I agree." So yeah. it's kind of good. I was house born. Is that always in San Antonio? It was in Austin the first yeah, two okay. years. Okay. What it is, I think, is because of house of shock and all that. Yeah. Now I think Phil was real smart this year to do it. In the middle of November, as opposed to around Halloween, because there's so much shit going around Halloween. But it was amazing. It was really great, great turnout. Um, the Aztec Theater, it was a beautiful theater, it was a really, really nice facility. You know, very, very nice. And uh, you know, killer, killer sound system, everything, man. So it was. We had a fucking crushing show. It was awesome. Went on at six thirty. <laughs> played like forty five minutes. It was just yeah. Then I'll watch the rest of the bands. All that. Yeah. Fun. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Have you ever toured with Max before this? Played some
3: festivals here, never know. mean, I've met him a few times, just kinda AI to have I mean, in you know, in our business everybody at least recognizes people in other bands, you know, whatever. Right. And, but he uh, turns out he's really a very big Crowbar fan. And uh which is really cool, you know. But uh but no, we've never
0: toured but we've all done some festivals with before. I was curious about on, on Symmetry in Black, the uh, there's a song Symmetry in White, right? But the album's called Symmetry in Black. Like, what's the The meaning behind it? Well, the
3: song Symmetry in White was written first. And we all had agreed we're like, we really don't have, even though Odd For Rest <laughs> is kind of a black cover, the main thing of it is the morphed faces thing. But like, we want something simple, like, you know, black background Or something really, really simple or whatever. You know, usually for the album titles, it's either the name of the song or I'll go through lyrics and find like a cool, you know, cool. Um, phrase or something, you know, in the lyrics or something, and um, I was looking through lyrics and all, and I saw Symmetry in White, I'm like, why not Symmetry in Black? So I asked everybody, yes, I was sounds killer. so. Right on. Uh, yeah.
1: I've noticed, uh, you know, from high-rate extinction to, you know, Walk With Knowledge Wisely, there's always been some killer album, o- album openers. Um, like, you know,
3: talk about track listing and like how important that is Or how it comes up Well for, for me jump out you know? It's really important Because Being Being old school And when I was with Down We used to think of it The same way It's like We grew up on albums So you had side one And you had side two So I still think of it In that way When We list The, the running order Of the songs And like the track listing I think of it As okay This is gonna be Inside one Now you're flipping The album over For side two You know It's, it's a new Different vibe Or whatever it might be A lot of albums were like that where, you know, side one had a certain vibe, side two might be a little more, you know, longer songs and a little more whatever it might be. Uh, So I always keep that in mind, like as far as uh, arranging the the track listing, that to me it should be, it's like a record, Mm -hmm. you know, so something ends in side one and if you take a break, you know, you know. Make a sandwich or something, come back, get a beer, whatever it might be. You know, listen aside to you, flip it over, and start it right there. So,
2: do you
0: uh, are you already thinking about the next album? Oh, yeah, got uh, four four songs written
3: that are really killer. Uh, probably get at least another another one or two, hopefully, two written between this when this tour ends and going out with High on Fire in December, and then in the month of January. Mm-hmm really need to buckle down and make sure, you know, we, we finish up the other half of the record and get into the studio in early February, probably, and have everything. Last album was kind of difficult because Jeff was just coming in. He didn't know the back catalog. We had a tour set up, so we had to concentrate with him more with learning the set list and rehearsing that. So we're in the middle of rehearsing the set, the set list to go on tour, as well as trying to write at the same time. And really, four of the songs were kind of, for the most part, written in the studio and we lucked out, and it came out great, but it doesn't always work that way, so, because of the way, we, we had a lot of interruptions as well, like idiots, we booked the studio for like December 16th, and of course, a few days later, it's holiday time for everybody, and our uh, our engineer, uh, Dwayne Seminole, his wife had a child during the studio thing, then and, and a new baby, you know, it was like the third kid, and it's just like, we didn't, we didn't realize we would be breaking for Christmas, breaking for New Year's. We did a fly-in date in Chicago, come back, get everything rolling, and then Dwayne's new uh, baby's born, and that's a week off, you know, and then we just didn't think it out. So this time, hopefully, with no interruptions and proper preparation, when we get in the fucking studio, we can knock the shit out, you know. Well, you planning yeah. to uh, self-produce it, like you did the last one? Well, I mean, when I, when I say I'm the producer, uh, uh, what, what that is is, like, overseeing everything, like the arrangement of the songs, especially, and because an engineer and a producer are two completely different things. Um, you can you can be a great producer and not be a great engineer. I don't, I don't know how to twiddle a knob unless it's on a fucking guitar or, or an amp, but hearing the music, hearing the arrangement of everything is what's really important. Um, like, um, And that's really what when I say I produce a record or whatever, it's because being the being the vocalist, lyricist, and whatever the original guy and all that kind of bullshit, um, it's what, what, what my job is is to make sure that each song is as, as strong as it can be, and the hooks are there. And what should we do with this? Should we, you know, how many times did we do this? Is this too long? Do we need, you know, just everything like when it's a when it's a chorus. Okay, is is a single vocal good enough Or should we have a harmony on that bar Like just little things You know, okay, uh, we have a break here We need like a guitar, harmony or something It's more about arranging And kind of making each song As good as as it can be, you know Um, And then Kind of overseeing everything With the mix as well And production as far as mastery and whatnot Um, So really that's That's what, you know That's what a producer's job is Like a real a real producer like uh, Mud Lang type guy or something, if you look at, you know, uh, Def Leppard Pyromania or Def Leppard Hysteria record, his name's on almost every song with writing credits because right. they show him what they got and he says okay, wait a minute, this is going to be better let's do this, let's do this, let's do this so he's really adding as a musician, he's adding you know, a lot to the song and actually co-writing the song with the band and that's what a real producer would can do when, when you can do it all, you know. When you can make it sound amazing as far as a mix and the production, but also you know when you can when you can. Like my part would be not the mix and the production, but adding hey, to the songs to make
0: sure that the songs are as good as they can be. I was wondering, you uh, boys been known for writing these badass roofs and you're you know kind of like the you're the main guy or you know your original guy, but when you were in down writing with someone else who was kind of that way with Pepper yeah. was that like a different did the writing process change for you
3: at all or yeah well, let's just put it this way it's real hard to get a riff in when you're in down because everybody thinks they write better riffs than the other guy which is fun that's why it's a great band but you know Phil thinks all of his riffs are the best Pepper thinks his are the best I think mine are the best Jimmy thinks his are the best you know Whatever So it's It's hard But there's certain If, if someone's got something That's real strong um, You know Regardless of who writes it Everybody When everybody Would gravitate toward it Like uh, You know you, you take a song like um, Beneath the Tides Off of the Down 3 record Like that was Phil's Idea basically You know we had, Everybody was just sitting there Going Anybody got a riff And Phil's like I got an idea It's real simple And then we kind of Build it from there song like On Marsha Saints was something I I had and it's like when I played the main riff of, you know the opening or whatever everybody's like okay okay let's build on that in anything it could be anything Pepper would Bury Me in Smoke he just all of a sudden started went Bum, bam 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 and like dude that's it, let's kill it let's work on that you know so any, anybody anybody can write it um and down and um but it's a lot of I don't want to say egos it's just a lot of you gotta realize that for the most part you know Phil, to you know, it's 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 a, it's an opinion, but for the most part, would oversee. As a, the thing is, as a lyricist, like Phil's like the best arranger I've ever worked with. So he would help with Pantera a lot. But you got to realize, you're taking a guy like him, who comes from a band like Pantera, and you're taking Pepper, who's the main songwriter and uh, lyricist and vocalist. When you the when you're a Musician who also sings when the songs are being written, you're thinking of it, you're thinking of the point of view is from a vocalist, like it hooks, it needs to go everywhere. So it's, you know, you had three lead singers in the band. Um, plus, you know, when Rex was in the band, I mean, he's an amazing musician all around. And, um, you know, and then Jimmy Bauer as well, I mean, he's very he great riffs. So. Can't sing to save his life. love love you Jim but but, um, you know he he writes killer riffs uh, and he he wrote a lot he's got a lot of great great four track stuff he does at home and all that kind of stuff man so it was real hard with them I mean with crowbars pretty much me and Matt sit down one of us has a riff we build off each other and then um, a lot of times like he'll Matt will have a riff and I'll go dude that's great stop 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 I got an idea and then just we build from there And and then I start thinking as an arranger okay right here we need to do something different we got it we, we need we need a key change we need a hook part. we need a break you know that's the kind of thing that I'm experienced at doing having played on 16 records now like realizing when it's, when, it's, when it's time for a break or a stop or a key change or something a tempo change or whatever it might be in the song you learn the more you write the more you, you, get, you get better at arranging the song which is very very important because you can take you can take um, a great riff You can make a great song Out of two riffs You know It's just You gotta know When enough is enough And when You know It needs more More is not always better For sure Um And you know It's kinda I mean like In, in Tommy plays in In Soul and Green also And it's like To me when I hear I'll, I'll hear like a riff, and I think it's great. I'm like, oh my god, it's a killer fucking riff. It only lasts eight seconds, and
2: it's like you know, I'm like, dude, yeah, I can write a song around that riff. You know, but
3: it's a whole different style of music. But I get, you get that with a lot of bands where I'll, I'll hear a riffing though. They'll be doing a song, and they go into this amazing riff in the middle or something. I'm like, I would have threw the whole rest of the song away and made that the song. And the first time I ever learned how to do that. Phil was producing the Crowbar Crowbar racket The song "Existence is Punishment" um, actually had like four or five riffs to it, and he's he's at band practice and he's kind of got that they like, "Oh, something's not right," you know. And he goes, "Can I be honest?" I said, "Please." He goes, "This song only has one good riff, which is bow bow bow." He goes, "He goes, look, I'm being honest. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, but..." Throw the rest of the fucking song in the garbage and make, write a song around that riff. That song has two riffs in it, and it's a great song. It's one of our popular, you know, popular songs with a video and beats and the whole nine yards, but it, it shows an example. He's like, okay, do y'all have any songs that start out on bass? And we're like, no. He goes, all right, start this one out on bass. And you just you learn things working with people. You learn that if you like a drum a drum fill can take you to anything. Like if you break and have a drum filled you can go into a tempo change, or whatever. You just you just learn. Like we used to, you always use, I've always used the term "trim the fat," like from the steak. You know, you don't want you want a lean cut of meat. You don't need all the fucking fat on the motherfucker. You know, although steak fat does taste good, <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? It's 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 kind of that that's always been the writing philosophy is is less is more, and you know it doesn't you don't need ten riffs or whatever. I mean some of the greatest songs you ever come up with, you know, cash me up all that's up is really three riffs. Yeah. You know, you got you got a bow, then you got the kind of like bridging a down, that's it. Sounds like ten minutes
2: long. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah it's, sometimes it's the the simple stuff that works and sounds the best and it depends on the type of band you are. I mean, if you're in extreme music like Son of or something, it works for them. But for a band like Crowbar, it's pretty stripped down. Yeah. It's meat and potatoes. It's just you know we don't have uh, the fancy Brussels sprouts and decorative um, uh, you know shit on our plate of food. We have a big fucking steak and a big fucking potato, and that's just yes. it's, it's the, the real food. You know, not the, not all the little fancy crap. All you need. Yeah, so it works for us <laughs>
1: Well, um, uh, a few weeks ago, we got to uh, interview Wino from the Obsessed and Spirit yeah. Caravan. Uh, you know, were, were you into them at all? Oh, big time. Because, you yeah. know, that's a
3: pretty, you know, pretty pioneering. I saw him a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. saw him in Albuquerque. No, he's a huge influence on yeah. my guitarist. More so, he doesn't play guitar on St. Vitus, so but he's one of my favorite vocalists. Um, his voice is just gives me a chill. Yeah. It's amazing it's distinct um, I mean, you know you who know yeah. it is the I minute mean, you yeah and he's you know he's, he's 55 years old now I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago but his voice still sounds amazing it's like he's just got one of those voices that, that are great but I mean he doesn't play guitar in Vitus but his guitar playing like in The Obsess and in, in, in Spirit Caravan a lot has been a big big influence on me
2: oh, I, like. I mean I stole a lot of ideas <laughs> of his with
3: different chords and things like that yeah. He plays a lot of weird chords. I don't know the name of any chords, really. I just make them up and yeah. whatever. Matt knows the names. <laughs> that, that's what I was about to say. I, I
1: like how he does all those fucked up chords yeah. with all that just distortion. Yeah, it's a distinct thing. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely.
0: Well, speaking of influence, I know you were heavily influenced by Carnivore. Oh, totally. And I'm a massive fan of Type I Negative, and I didn't really ever get into Carnivore until later on. Um, so I just kind of wonder, as a Carnivore fan, were you. When you first heard That kind of shift in the like the Bloody Kisses era Did it kind of Bum you out Or No or? I thought Bloody
3: I knew he could do it
0: Yeah, It's like you
3: know I mean Essentially The first typo negative record Is really a Carnivore record Yeah That's that's, like, yeah, that's what we're Talking about And, and that's there. That's actually In a way Is my favorite typo record Because I loved Carnivore so much But to me The transition To Bloody Kisses Was great Because even Even if you take The first Carnivore album ah oh, fuck what song is it it's got a pretty metal section the after the war after the war I come over fall into your arms with I by the fire. I can't think of the song but um it's on the side one but that showed right there I'm like wow he's really got a great clean deep baritone voice he can really sing you know on the first record then he showed maybe a Little something here and there on uh, retaliation, but you could hear it. You know, you could. I, I knew he had it in him to do what he did when Bloody Kisses came out, which is still an amazing record. I mean, it's quite a difference from uh, Slow Deep and Hard, obviously, and was, you know, usually successful, you know, commercially successful. Uh, but I mean, I love all his, you know, the mellow stuff. And, Whatever, I mean, he's just he's just a brilliant songwriter, you know, a genius to me as far as a, as a songwriting musician, you know, and, and lyricist. And a lot of his lyrics are kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, a lot of them are kind of, they're, you know, funny in a way, different, different shit, but at the same time it's serious, you know. But I love, you know, I love, I love everything he's done. Did you guys ever play
0: with him back mm-hmm.
2: in the-
3: wait? What I mean, Detroit? right when Bloody Kisses came out and um, actually it the only time we played with him but seen him a bunch and you know actually we're friends with Johnny and and, um, and Kenny and you know Pete and I met each other a few times in fact when we played with him in Detroit um, he came up to me we were playing at this gigantic dump called Harpo's that everybody in the world has playing at and he came walking up to me and I'm freaking out because Oh my god, Peter's walking over here. Like, How you know, Kirk? You know, Peter said, Hey man, you know, break me, and know, um, chatted for a few minutes and he's like it's like Catering's open, man. Did you eat yeah. I'm like, no, he goes, let's go get some lunch. I'm like, Alright, so we walked over to catering and, you know, kinda chatted for a little bit and they had a tour bus and we had a fucking van and he's like he's like, Look, man, he goes, Any of you guys need a nap or anything like that? All our crews inside working, he goes, if you need a bunk, whatever you need, feel free to take, you know, whatever y'all need I'm like, Cool, he's like very down to earth, super cool, nice guy. So you know, that's awesome. that's awesome. Made a lasting impression on me musically and as yeah. a person. Shifting kind of
1: back to crowbar, do you think uh, you know longevity has helped you guys out? Because there seems to be like a,
3: I don't know, a renewed kind of interest and in stuff like that. Yeah, I think you it's helped us out a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I, when I look back, I'm like, oh my god, I can't tell you how many bands have have come and go since we started. Yeah. Bands that were big. I mean, even now, bands are falling off the fucking of the map. They're falling off the face of the earth because the music industry is difficult. But you know, you got you have to, you have to be like strong-minded, strong, very strong-minded, very strong-willed. You have to believe in what you're doing, and you have to take the good with the bad and realize that it's a journey, and not every day is paradise. You know, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of hard work for all the great gigs you have, you have shitty gigs too, you know, um, and I don't mean the crowds, I'm talking about like crappy sound systems, you know, no monitors, you know, just whatever, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's like, uh, people are like, what's it like to be on the road? I'm like, it's the same thing every day, but different, you know, because it is the same fucking thing, we wake up every day here, hey, I gotta take a shit, Where's the okay, okay. <laughs> Make make a sandwich or something, eat lunch, you know. Okay, what well, time's uh, load in such and such. You load in same fucking thing over and over, but it's different crowd, different local crew you're working with, different venue you're playing. Um it's kinda strange because it's a few arena tours I've been able to do. When I was with down we did uh Canada with Evan and L and we did Australia and New Zealand would and now and then we also did the first leg of the Death Magnet tour with Metallica and it's very strange when you're playing arenas because you have the same exact stage and everything so it's it's like the same it's, it's the same thing every day but different but it's odd because every night the stage is exactly the same and the arena looks exactly the same as the you know you play playing in fucking where the jazz play in Utah the next night you're playing in fucking Denver um, you know, it's just, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm in Houston at the Toyota Center. Before. I'm in this one at the, this, the United Airlines Center. Yeah. Or this and this and this. And it all looks the same, and it's strange. Because being a band that plays clubs, normally it, the stage size varies tremendously from day to day. And the sound systems and all that. But when you travel with the same sound system, same staging, same light show, and everything, and all the arenas look the same all the locker rooms are the dressing rooms the catering is set up and these you know it, it all looks it's like deja vu it's, it's much different than touring like we do where every day is a new adventure <laughs> yeah. you know I mean you're touring yeah. with Metallica it's automatically the shows automatically sold out you know? <laughs> so it's not like wow what if it's going to be a good turnout tonight it's like well it's already sold out you already know everything you know how it's going to be but um, other than that it's the same you know
0: it's the same thing but different Every day. Yeah, the first time I ever saw you live was actually in an arena opening for Pantera on New Year's oh, yeah, Eve. It, yeah. Oh, at Darren yeah. yeah. That was like tw- yeah, twenty years ago now because '95.
3: Yeah, 95, I remember, yeah, you know? yeah. I saw you see and Pantera. That was killer.
1: Cool. Yeah, um, I, I've seen a few different videos and you know YouTube of this and that. Uh, you know, in video, you've got like a Gibson, and one you're playing an Ibanez. You've had like some Deans. Well. What's like your main guitar. What do you like to play?
3: Um, um I mean, now I'm real happy. I play the Ibanez sh- uh, Okay, game. I'm really, really happy with it. Um, it's just, you know, I like all the... It's like, I like a certain type of neck, a certain type of feel, more like the Explorers. I mean, there's not much difference between, the, you know, the feel of the guitar, like an Explorer and D, the DML you see or any of that. I just like, I'm more... Even, even a Les Paul or an SG or whatever, that's more me than the, a Strat body type thing, which is weird because when I first started out, I had a Les Paul, but that became my backup. I had a, I had a Charvel, an original Charvel, the one pickup one volume up, and a Strat body that was my primary guitar um, for a long time. And uh but when I switched to like the SG body and the back to Les Pauls and stuff like that, and then that's when I switched to the Explorer type feel It feels good Because they're weighted right Where like If I lift my hands up Like this You know The, the guitar's not Neck heavy or whatever it, it sits well And with the shape That it's got it, it, it feels cool It looks cool And it's real good For covering up A beer gun So It's got a lot of Angles yeah, to it there you get. <laughs> So uh, But now I'm, now I'm really stuck Where The only disadvantage Is it's uncomfortable To play sitting down Compared to A Strat body less part was something that you know fits on you neat, nice, so when you're at home it's it's a little less comfortable place sitting down, but when you're on stage it feels great and that's really what
0: comes. Cool. Yeah. I know like recently you guys issued uh, the self titled and Symmetry on vinyl. Yeah. Is there like I know that would be a huge gas but there was any plans to like do that with the other albums or is Oh yeah there is. Okay. okay. Um
3: I mean E one was our label now they have the majority of the back catalog, so they can release other stuff on vinyl too. Okay, so are you a yeah, fan of vinyl? Or- yeah, yeah, we've really gotten into it. <clears throat> My wife and I, Robin, bought a old console stereo from It's a 1968 Magnavox wow. thing. And unfortunately, it's got the needle from back then and it doesn't want to play modern records, but the lady we bought it from had like you know, Tony Bennett, Sony and Chaz, greatest hits, <laughs> and all this shit. And, all that stuff uh, it, it plays without skipping when you put a modern vinyl on there. I guess the needle's just outdated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but we want to get it. we we love that for the nostalgia more uh, than anything. But we, we want to get a proper vinyl s- setup and stereo you know, to listen to vinyls. We have a lot of vinyl, uh, so yeah, yeah. I I grew up with the the TV and then the open it up the top and the oh, vinyl yeah. that yeah yeah. what this, track, this yeah. thing yeah. is this yeah, is it's like awesome. This is like a console so it's yeah. like, Some of them open up This one slides But it's got You know It's, it's got the turntable The radio um, A little spot To the hold the records and yeah. all, But it's one big Piece of furniture oh, yeah. Heavy as fuck fact, Matt and Jeff yeah. Helped me move it and, You know it's, it's a solid piece of Furniture yeah, and Miss
1: that stuff though Oh it's great sure. I
3: remember mean, being At my grandma's house and, You know She had one just yeah. like it And like Robin said When she grew up Our mom and dad Had one just like yeah. that too so that's what we grew up on That was like The, the fancy stuff I had, I had a I had a record player I mean the fucking thing Was plastic You know With a yeah. little Built in speaker Or something Like a mono Like my first record Player And mainly back then I just played 45 Like singles Like I'd hear a song On the radio And like it You know it was Probably like 50 cents For a fucking single Or something back I then mean, You know Take some of my allowance and, <laughs> and ride my bike To the store And look at the record collection uh, There you go And then I started Buying albums You know I mean, I'm now, so I was born in 65, so it's like, when I was a little kid, you know, uh, I really started buying records probably early to mid-70s and building my record collection, which unfortunately I got washed out, not by Katrina, but by another foot. So I lost about 500. Oh, okay.
1: Jeez. Yeah. Well, uh, random question, sorry, I had to do it, um, I saw, on an interview, you had a Saxon shirt on. That's, like, one of my all-time faves. Uh, oh, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, now I want to get one of those. Uh, what's, like, your favorite Saxon album? Um,
3: um, or just kind of your favorite era of them? Yes. The early... Oh, you
1: know, yeah.
3: The, the, See? Well, I, no, like I mean, the, the early... <laughs> any, anything up till Crusader, I love I love. That's the classic. The, yeah, the yes, classics. Yeah. Um, even like the Eagle Has Landed live records fucking amazing to me um, but uh, I mean all, all the Saxon songs are great I mean they're, they're great they write great songs yeah, they really do they're, they're cool. we just saw them live with the tour shirt mascot on we saw them September 6th in New Orleans and uh, it was absolutely fucking amazing really and when you see bands now like, it, like when you see Saxon you see Accept like if you have if you've seen Accept lately at you all. Know, They destroy these younger bands. It's a joke. They don't need any bullshit. They got fucking Marshall Stacks. Fucking, you know, they don't have all this samples and background shit and triggers and fucking, uh, you know, crap on tape and all this kind of stuff. And, and, I mean, it's real amps, real guitars, real guys. And, I mean, these dudes are still, I mean, Biford sounded fucking amazing 60-something years old, just singing the seventh show in a row. On fire, man. saying like, you know, they're super, super, cool guys too. So, yeah, we we saw them in a little club here. Like a hundred people showed up. Yeah, they, they only eat. had about a 100,
1: 150 people. On
3: they didn't care. They went out like yeah. And he
1: sounded insane, just like you yeah. said.
3: No, I mean, a couple of my friends are like, even Robin, my wife's kind of like, there's not many people here. I hope they like. I hope they don't like cut the subject. I said, no. I said, trust me, they're not. And then <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, like we played some fucking weird plays in Longview, Texas. Thursday night and it wasn't a big turnout and we didn't go on stage like fucking quarter to 12 or something wow. on a weeknight so you know a lot of people had left and whatever and, but we still did our whole fucking set and kicked ass I mean that's just what you do it too, too. well the thing is you meet people every night like I hang around merch a lot cause Robin does merch and they'd be like I drew a five hours to come here man I can't wait I've never seen a band yet even if you're just doing it for that one person you gotta give them 110% yeah. because Seeing a gig is, in a weird way, it's a it can be a life changing experience. It's also making history every night because a lot of people it's the first time they're gonna see a band And you know, so really, to people that have been waiting, or people that like we have Soulfly fans now that we're trying to win over who haven't who are not Crowbar fans, um, and that's part of the job too. let to go kick ass. And when it like, man, that band Crumb, I heard of them and shit, man. But they really kicked ass. I'm gonna go out and get the CD or whatever, you yeah. know. So that's what you're trying to do. But um, you know, even I mean, not just for your own pride because you should never not give a 100 percent. But for those for for the fans, you know, yeah. whether it's somebody that's seen you twenty times, somebody that never saw you. But when you every night, there's people that travel to see us, you know, and um, that's it's important to make sure I mean, it's people have been waiting for years definitely I mean people have been like I've been waiting for 15 years you know I wow. and it's like you really you know you want to give them that like when I see a band like Saxon every time I see them they're playing some festivals and stuff and I saw them back back uh, in 86 with Honor Saint opening wow. and uh, it was like you know it's like I still remember it like it was yesterday it's like a life changing experience you know when you're a big, a huge music fan like we all are yeah it's that—that's you know—that's what—that's what it is. You know? yeah. it's just, I, I have vivid memories of all all these you know, amazing bands I was able to see and that I played with and all, and music being my life. It, It's—it's that's—it's important, you know? it's extremely important that you perform to your best. Hey, if my voice is not a hundred percent, that I can't help that, but I'm still going to push a fucking 100% <laughs> <laughs> I might be cracking and I might sound like I've been gargling razor blades, but I'm still going to give you a hundred Still it's, up there, yeah. Cool. So, well, uh, that's
1: it, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, awesome. uh, appreciate you doing
0: Absolutely. this. Thanks for your time. Sure. Nice. All right, there you go. Our interview with Kirk Winstein of Crowbar. That's right. And of course, formerly of Down, and I—I I don't know if you say formerly of Kingdom of Sorrow, but I think that's an ongoing thing that might happen again. You never know. You know. I wanted to bring that up, but I figured, well, you know, there's probably not any news there, so yeah, up. yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, that was just, like you said earlier, it was cool to just talk about music, you know, with a, a guy that we love, you know. and We love his music, but to talk about Saxon and Peter Steele and, you know, Pantera or whatever came up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got to think, you know, a lot of these guys probably get the same questions. So, yeah, kind of like we were talking about the other day, sometimes it, it's cool just to see what these guys are into or what they're, you know, what they think and uh it was just uh it came off really good and uh you know thanks to crowbar, thanks to Kirk uh, thanks to uh, Robin uh for helping out and setting it up uh, it was just a great experience
0: yeah, and you couldn't obviously you couldn't hear it in the podcast, but when you brought up Saxon, you know he showed you know he pulled up you know part of his his pant leg there to show you the Saxon tattoo and yeah. then Matt, the, the guitarist pulled open his hoodie <laughs> to show you the Saxon sure, shirt. Yeah. You know, so, Hey, I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah. So like you said, it's probably something they're like, Hey, you know, it was a little funner than the normal, you know, yeah, I hope generic so. Generic questions, so. you know? So, but yeah, like you said, you know, Robin Kirk's wife, you know, was their tour manager and merch, merch person and all that stuff too. You know, she was great, helped us out and bill and, at e one, which he mentions in the interview, I think he mentions e one um, helped us get this all set up, and thanks obviously to Kirk for being able to or being willing to sit there and spend the time to do this with us
1: definitely definitely uh you know uh we were uh, we had the the football game on in the background, and you know we all kind of kept looking over at the t v every now and then for a score that was cool. <laughs> But definitely, uh, when these guys roll through your town, check them out. I mean, they put on a great live show. They're always at the merch table shaking hands and, uh, you know, being cool with the fans. So uh, you have no reason to get out there and and see what's up with them.
0: Exactly. Yeah, look them up on – they're on everything. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and – obviously buy their music, you know, these guys are badass, they've got vinyl out, mp3s and everything else, and of course, like we mentioned earlier, check out even the dogs on Reverb Nation, check us out at thethunderunderground.com, and SoundCloud is just thunder-underground, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, and we're on Twitter at ground. So until next time, we got anything else we want to talk about, or are we good?
1: I think that's it. Uh, See everybody later.